Welcome to the Catholic Coffee Podcast in the hope that my Catholic journey will inspire yours. Today we're going to be talking about what's next for the church after this lockdown and after things have changed so drastically this year. Will the church reform? Uh, we're going to look at a letter from a Jesuit. And then what is needed to keep the community involved and mass and more. But before we get going, please consider supporting us on DonorBox or PayPal. The links are in the description below. Or support us by buying our merchandise. The link is also in the description. We need your financial support to keep this podcast going. But the best way you can help us is by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for the support. So, so much has changed over the last uh, couple of months in the year 2020. Can you believe how life has changed so much and the church has changed so much? People can't get to Mass. People are not allowed to go to Mass. There's priests being arrested in Italy while they're busy saying uh, the Eucharistic prayers. It's frightening. It is absolutely frightening. But what has got to change? Uh, something church-wise needs to change. Now, obviously, uh, we hope that this whole pandemic falls away and everything gets back to normal. But I don't think the church is going to be normal. And this was reiterated in a letter from a Jesuit, uh, which we'll go through just now. But what is the role of the clergy now? I mean, we know that they've got to uh, administer the sacraments. They've got to help the community and lead the community to God. But what is the role of the clergy going forward, especially if people are more homebound at the moment? I was talking to our parish priest the other day saying, should we consider telephonic or Skype confessions and uh, last rites and those sorts of things? The answer is yes, we should consider it because there's kind of like a, a lack of the ability to administer those things in a normal way. So we've got to think what else can be done. The big question that always comes up though is what is liturgically correct? Now, I think we need to be probably going to get condemned for this in some way, but I think we need to be kind of flexible with what is liturgically correct and what is not, what can be allowed and what can't be. Because if the liturgy gets in the way of the people getting to Christ, which it shouldn't do because liturgy is meant to lead people to Christ. But at this current stage, if it gets in the way of, of bringing people to Christ, we might have a slight problem. But I think, you know, the, the, the church, in a sense, should be very forward-thinking, and I think they will think this through and say, how can we uh, reinvigorate the liturgy so that where we are at this point in time, people can still be brought to Christ? So I don't think it's such a scary thing. We've just got to look at it with, a, with an open mind and not be too... Uh, adventurous with the rules because I think if we go a little bit overboard I think we're going to miss the boat quite a bit so what's the role of the clergy my honest answer is don't know what's the role of the laity well I think there's a huge role in the laity or a huge responsibility for the laity especially let's say if I'm a father head of a home I have to make sure that my family receives spiritual communion receives spiritual confession receives the the readings the liturgy of the word as much as possible to do what I can to lead my family in a religious type manner. You know, we're all a royal priesthood. We've got to responsibly act in those roles as, as fathers of the homes, as mothers of the homes. Same thing. You know, we've got to take on those roles. And if the father's slacking back, the mother needs to crack the whip and say, hey, you know, the wife needs to crack the whip and say, get back up there. You know, let's lead the family, be with the family. So together as a, as a married couple, we've got a responsibility to lead the family, to lead each other, to make sure that um, we stay on the spiritual and this Catholic journey. So the next big question then comes in, what is the role of the sodalities and how do they get involved? Well, if we look at various sodalities like St. Vincent de Paul, for example, I think they are fulfilling their role now more than ever. I think they're far more busy as people go hungry and uh, as the need in increases for their services. But that means that 
people who are in a better position should be helping by donating to them as well, putting out food, giving food parcels, giving money where possible, doing what they can to make sure that uh, those people are served. Because what we'll end up finding is that within our own parish community, our own people will need help. So it's not only the people out in places that are, you know, the guys on the street that are hungry. It's people in our own parish that are part of our close community that are going to need this help as well. When it comes to other services like confirmation and, and um, first communion and catechism and RCIA, what's going to happen there? Well, we've got to find new inventive ways to make it work. Get people onto Zoom. You know, those classes aren't always that big. Unfortunately, they should be a lot bigger. But I think if we bring people back into the fold, get them on Zoom and figure out ways to make it work there. Right, let's jump into this letter by a priest named Father Russell Pollitt. So he's a, 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 like I said, a Society of Jesus priest. He's a Jesuit. Very good guy, actually. Um, very outspoken, I think, as most Jesuits are. It's funny how the priests in the different orders have their kind of stereotypical kind of uh, demeanors, if you want to call it that. But I think uh, he's a good guy. Father Russell's a really good guy. But he brings this letter up, and it's very pertinent for where we are at the moment. It starts like this. We must embrace a new and different church. The lockdown that many parts of the world are experiencing has revealed that the church is vulnerable. Parishes, priests, and God's people are perplexed as to how they should proceed in the practice of their faith. The question is asked and debated daily. How can we be church if we cannot administer and receive the sacraments? When the current lockdown ends, it seems highly unlikely, at least for several weeks or months, that people will be able to gather for worship. I know where we are, we've got different phases to our releasing of this lockdown. And churches fall right at the end. I think we're the lowest priority as for people getting back together. And I think that is a worldwide thing as well. This is going to have massive impact on the church. The sad reality is that some parishes will have to shut up shop. Financially, they will not survive. Some dioceses may even declare bankruptcy. There are financial implications for everyone. What isn't sustainable will have to go. We face a moment of reckoning. This is saddening and painful, but we also have to face reality. Our current ecclesiology and sacramental theology are part of the problem. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought to the surface what has been bubbling beneath for a long time. We will emerge from this a poorer church in monetary terms. If we do not face the burning questions around our ecclesiology and sacramental theology, we will emerge a spiritually poorer church too. So, yes and no. I think, you know, as far as the, the way the church works, the way it's meant to work, the way the sacraments work, if implemented correctly, could be the perfect setup, the perfect system. However, people are involved. There's a, a lot of corruption, a lot of nonsense that needs to get sorted out. And I hope that this would bring a lot of that to the forefront so that people can get fired. And I think as hard as it is to say that, it's necessary. Not to say that the church should return to exactly how things were because people are going to be responding differently to mass and differently to how they attend church nowadays. And, you know, yeah, I think... Yeah, as far as the sacraments go and the way sacraments are implemented, I agree to an extent that things like verbal sacraments, like confession, uh, like prayer for the sick, etc., can be done in, in different ways. Maybe digitally over the phone, over WhatsApp calls or Skype calls or uh, FaceTime calls, whatever it might be. But if we could get rid of the rot in the church and get the focus of the church back onto Christ, get rid of all those bishops who are not believing 
that Jesus rose from the dead and don't believe in the Eucharist, if we could get rid of those guys, I think the church will be on a good, solid path. So I think that's what's important. We cannot put new wine into old skins. That will not work. Jesus tells us that the grain of wheat has to die to yield a rich harvest. The institutional ego doesn't like change. That's very true, and I kind of described it in one of our other podcasts where we spoke about how decisions were made throughout the years of the church, back from when it was a community decision to now where it's like a, a decision of the hierarchy. The ego fears change because change upsets our comfortable places, binary thinking, and clerical power. This will be a vexing conversation for many. There has been much debate about online masses, drive-through or telephonic confessions, and how anointing of the sick can be done. Besides all being cleric-centered, it also reveals that the church seems to have little or more to offer the people other than the sacraments. So the big question is, what can actually be done? And I think for a lot of churches, they've jumped in with what they have to do right now. And the obvious answer to that is taking the masses online. So we've seen this all around. Our parish has done it. Uh, many parishes in our diocese have done it. Many parishes around the world have done it. And in fact, uh, there's been discussions online between parishes, between organizations as how they've done it and how they've made it work and how it's been received. And for the most part, it has been received really well. I think there's been a huge appreciation from the, the parishes and the congregations for the priests and the committees that have worked on getting the mass digitized or, or filmed to be put online for them. You know, they're sitting at home. I think there's a spiritual hunger. Without a doubt, there's a spiritual hunger, in fact. And I think people want to know what, how to cope with this. And thankfully, a lot of people are turning to God. Without a doubt, a lot have turned away from God as well. And this is where the digitization or the modernization of the church will help with evangelization. I mean, for, for lack of better terms, it's a really good marketing tool to get the, the value of homilies out there, the value of the Eucharist and the value of the word out to people who would not necessarily go to church. And if they could have church at home, I mean, if you look at the, the way we do it, uh, we watch church sitting on our bed, our, our double bed as a family, my wife, myself, and my two kids, and uh, we, we focus on what Mass is about, and it's absolutely amazing. So I think this is what's really important, is how we, for, as a church, and when I say a church, I mean the laity included, as well as the, the religious, how we can really minister to each other in these difficult times. And this might be a, a, a good step forward to the future of how the church is going to react and respond. You know, if we look at our Protestant brothers and sisters, they adapted by going extreme on the entertainment side. And there's great music, very exuberant, out there, loud prayer services, and they're good for those people, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge or condemn them. But we stayed mass as mass has been for how long? Mass has now changed. And, and I think... Without losing the, the essences of mass, the change of delivery, in other words, going digital or putting it online as a video form, might be very good for the future of the way the church goes. What other changes are necessary? Who knows? Who knows? You know, um, there's many talk about uh, getting the laity more involved in the sacraments and uh, administering the sacraments to each other in different ways. Now, I'm not sure about all the, uh, the liturgically correct rules around that, but there are restrictions that can and can't be done. Um, and I think this is what uh, Father Russell Pollitt is alluding to, that we've got to look at how those things are, are, are tackled as well. So there's Mass and more. So we've got Mass online. What else is next? Well, there's, there's the Catholic Alpha that is going completely online. And the way they're structuring it is quite clever. 
You know how Alpha is meant to be. You invite somebody to a dinner and try to get them to sit with you in the church hall and eat a meal and get involved in the discussion. What they're doing now is they, they, they've restructured the invitation to say something along the lines of, hey, come along, join us for a video, hop onto Zoom, and stick it out for two or three sessions. If you like what you're hearing, stay around. If you don't, thanks for coming, and we hope to attract you next time, or we hope that you find something else that's going to be fulfilling for your soul. But it's a very clever approach. They've gone from that traditional sitting around the table, full and meal, to have the meal at home and join us on video. Uh, you know, sadly, you lose the, the human contact in it. But I think for the time-saving and the outreach, it is absolutely brilliant. And a similar thing for the RCIA course. You know, um, I monitor the video comments on our uh, church's YouTube page. And uh, what, what happened the other day, we got a message in from somebody from another church, a church in South Africa that's called the Dutch Reformed Church, saying to our priest, he said there, Father Tony, I've been watching your masses online. Can I book an appointment with you? I want to become Catholic. And we were like, wow, that's amazing. What, what a testimony to the value of the Eucharist, the Word of God, the Catholic Church. So I think where we've got to be really smart is by taking that sort of comment in that person and saying, here's the RCIA course online, on Zoom, go through the course, you will get brought and welcomed and confirmed in the Catholic Church. So, here's the other thing. There's a lot of activities around, like catechism, confirmation, RCIA, etc. But who drives a promotion of this? Now, everybody looks to the priest and has always traditionally looked to the priest for guidance on things. And I think if structured carefully, the priest becomes the driving factor behind everything that is going to happen online in the digital church, the digital Catholic church. So that is something we've got to look forward to and work very hard to get right. Because if the message is not conveyed well, it will fall apart. So we've got to be very smart in the way in which the priests are promoting all these activities, call it the parish activities, the digital parish activities online. Anyway, thanks for joining me for coffee and a Catholic chat. Stay happy, healthy, and holy. Join me on the podcast. Your stories and opinions will help others with their Catholic journey. Visit our website at www.catholiccoffeepodcast forward slash join us and send me a request to be on the podcast. I believe that your message will inspire Catholics around the globe that have similar concerns and stories to yours. Share your experiences, inspire and motivate others to embrace the Catholic life and let's build a community of believers that share the richness of the Catholic faith. Join me for an inspired, enjoyable Catholic discussion over a cup of coffee. Fill in the form and I will contact you to book a time to be on the podcast. Please remember to share the Catholic Coffee Podcast with everyone you know.